there unequivocally has never been a better time to be an independent creator. And I think that I'm going to say that today and I will say it again in a year. I think it's only getting easier to be an independent creator. Hey friend, it's David Nabinsky here in Brooklyn. So excited for this special conversation with Kinsey Grant. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. In March 2021, Kinsey left Morning Brew, where she was the writer and also the host of the extremely popular business podcast called Business Casual. Kinsey joined Morning Brew in July 2018. And to give a little bit of context, Morning Brew's newsletters reach over 1 million people, in case you're not one of the subscribers already. Kinsey and the Business Casual podcast has had conversations with top business leaders like Ray Dalio, Gary Vaynerchuk, Meg Whitman, Mary Barra, Eric Schmidt, just to name a few. In this episode, you'll learn what Kinsey learned on how to make the show great, how they launched the show, and a lot of things about podcasting. As mentioned, Kinsey left Morning Brew, and she'll soon be launching a new podcast, a new show, and more with a prior coworker at Morning Brew, Josh Kaplan. You'll learn why Kinsey is passionate about becoming an independent, self-employed content creator, and why she thinks now is the best time to do so. As always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and front-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Kinsey. Kinsey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. So uh, today's a Friday, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I was doing a little bit of research, and did you really post... 21 articles in one day when you used to work for the street. Like, tell me about that. That is in, like, I feel like on a good day, I can do like one social media post, Yeah, uh, but 21 articles, that's kind of crazy. Was, it was insanity. And I do have to say just for the purposes of full transparency and clarity, they were pretty short. These weren't super long pieces. It was mostly breaking news, but yes, I was covering the stock market pretty voraciously um, and had no breaks one day. It was a small team uh, and there were only, I think three of us. And for some reason that day I ended up just getting absolutely slammed and it was yeah, 21 in a day and it was insanity. And I realized that that was not sustainable. That was kind of a breaking point to be completely honest, but yeah, it was, it was crazy that the news happens fast, especially when you are a breaking news reporter who's 22 and wants to get as many bylines as possible. (laughs) I guess maybe you thought then like, you know what, I think I can produce some content or I think I know how to write. Did you, did you kind of, was that a, a moment where you're like, this is, unsustainable, but I probably kind of developed a muscle here that is probably going to be helpful down the road. Absolutely. And I have have been pretty vocal about the fact that um, I did not see myself long-term doing that kind of work, covering breaking news all the time. But I will say that that first job experience at the street where that was kind of the norm on some days was absolutely invaluable in terms of understanding how the stock market works and understanding how to write stories and how to have an editor and all that. It was, it was super important. And at that point, you know, when you're writing a dozen plus stories a day, it got to be pretty formulaic. It was a a kind of rinse and repeat uh, process that I got very, very good at and very used to doing. And while that was great, and I'm obviously grateful for that, 
it, it kind of is not what I envisioned for my career when I was first wanted to be a journalist. So that's part of what inspired me to pursue something a little more creative than just the, the formula for a story. Mm, envisioning your career. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. But, um, uh, so after the street, uh, and, and one thing that I uh, to kind of talk about is how people are kind of like one email away or just kind of serendipity that happens. Um, talk to us a little bit about kind of uh, from the street then to working at Morning Brew and, and maybe a, an outreach through LinkedIn or something like that. Yes, that is exactly what happened. I So I have never been a huge fan of LinkedIn. Uh, I find the product to be a little difficult to use, but I have to also admit that my two real jobs I've gotten through LinkedIn. Uh, I applied to both. My first job was just a LinkedIn job application at the street. And then my job at Morning Brew happened because one of the co-founders, Austin, sent me a cold message on LinkedIn. Just he, I think he probably sent a hundred plus to writers in the area who were covering business, uh, just trying to gauge interest. And I knew about Morning Brew. I'd been a subscriber and I obviously was very, very interested. And I responded. And next thing I know, I'm working at Morning Brew within, I think, two or three weeks of getting that message. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty crazy. It happened really quickly. And so then talk to us a little bit about kind of those first co- a little bit while when you're getting started at morning brew, um, writing the newsletter and stuff like that. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that and then how, uh, kind of the podcast came from there. Sure. So I started at morning brew in July of 2018. Uh, I, was just writing the newsletter those first couple of months. There were only two of us writing the newsletter, which is crazy to think now we have an editorial team of, I want to say, or I guess they do. <laughs> not, I'm not part of the we anymore, but the editorial team had grown to, I think, almost 30 people by the time I left Morning Brew. Um, and it was just the two of us, now the managing editor, Neil, and myself writing this newsletter. Um, and it was hard, but it was so much fun. And I felt so creatively fulfilled and I was learning so much. And it was a small, scrappy team like you hear about in the, the startup stories. It was just like that. And it exceeded all of my expectations in terms of getting accountability uh, for a product that I was creating. And that was something I was really, really passionate about. Um, But going into Morning Brew, I had come from a background that I was doing a lot of video work, even at the street. um, And I had focused on video for most of my college career. That was always my specialty was broadcast journalism. And I expected myself to go into a more pure play broadcast job upon graduating. I ended up pursuing the business side of things, which meant being a jack of all trades uh, and, and doing the multimedia play. So when I came to Morning Brew, I was very vocal about the fact that I wanted to get back into multimedia at some point. So if there's ever an opportunity for video or live in-person event hosting or, or whatever, audio, anything, I wanted to be involved in those conversations. So after about a year at Morning Brew, those conversations started happening. Uh, and the really only direction that we got in building business casual was we're ready for a podcast, go make it. Uh, so that's what we did. My uh, coworker at the time, Josh, who is now my coworker again, uh, we decided to start this podcast and um, he was the product manager and kind of the, the ad hoc producer when needed. And we just had the best time building this. And it, it came from just wanting to, to work together and to work hard and to build something that we were really proud of. Um, and that's exactly what we did with business casual. And I think the first meeting that we had, uh, in that, that summer that they, uh, brought up the idea of a podcast was in like June, late June. Um, and we had a show by the middle of September, which was really exciting since neither of us had ever worked on a podcast before. Uh, and then it took off. It was, it was incredible to see the progress that the show made, um, and continues to make it's, it's been a really, really incredible experience. And what do you think, um, like, as you kind of look back on it now, 
what do you think was maybe some unconventional um, reasons why the podcast took off? Cl- clearly had the built-in newsletter for, for initial kind of distribution, but um, yeah, talk to us a little bit maybe about some unconventional reasons as to why you think it, it yeah. went well. Yeah, I think that we, we can't discount the fact that it, the first episode got sent to a million and a half people on an email. Um, that was obviously incredible. And I think in the podcasting space, especially that initial momentum is really, really important. And we had worked really hard to build relationships with the platforms as well, which is is pretty conventional, but I think something that a lot of creators um, don't think about or don't give enough um, you know, credit to is just reaching out to Spotify, having a connection to Apple Podcasts, uh, because that, that new and noteworthy placement does bump up your downloads. Like every single time we were featured in any kind of collection, it was insane to see the growth. Uh, I think the more unconventional reason why the podcast grew is just the content itself. A lot of people in the business world, especially are fed, like just force fed (laughs) terrible, terrible content. um, That is all about like hustle porn and how to make a million dollars and you're doing your personal finance wrong. Uh, And none of that is exactly like what you want, right? Some people just want to understand the business world. They don't want to be forced anything into anything. Um, And with business casual, we were approaching it from a place of, I would say a lot of authenticity. Um, I was very open about the fact that I didn't know everything and that I was young and that I was going ask a lot of questions and be as well prepared as possible. Absolutely. But that there are a lot of things I don't know. And you probably don't know them either, the listener. Um, so that was, I think, a part of the growth engine was just consistently good content. Um, and consistency, of course, is is huge in terms of growing a show or growing really any product that you're building. Um, and we were lucky to figure that out pretty soon and uh, and keep it at the fore for most of the production. And uh, the... One thing that I noticed was also, it seems like you just, you put your heart into it and like, whether that's promoting the show, you know, the interviews itself, um, talk to us a little bit about that of just, um, you know, how you, yeah, just kind of threw yourself into the, into the role. Yeah, it became my baby. Um, it was it was not easy, to be completely honest. When we first started the show, I was still working on the newsletter and editing our industry-specific newsletters at Morning Brew. So I essentially was doing two full-time jobs and considered myself to be like splitting my time 50, 50 during the week on both projects. That was never actually what happened, (laughs) you know, like on, on newsletter days, I would still obviously have to be thinking about the podcast. I'd have to be doing recordings. Um, and so we got to a point where it it was obvious that I needed to just go full-time on the podcast because that was what I was really good at. Um, and that was what was, was making the most traction in terms of my own career. Um, and there was a, I think a, a pretty meaningful difference in the quality of the content when I did go full-time because you have to commit to things like this, like this, uh, you know, you know, a podcast doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a lot of hard work. And when you are, are trying to do an episode every week, in perpetuity forever. And then you double to two episodes a week forever. Uh, it takes a lot of time and it has to be your focus. And for me, um, it was, and, and I have no regrets about any of that. I loved getting to really put all of my energy into that project. And obviously it, it panned out for me. I, I got incredible experience and I got to speak with people I never would have imagined speaking to this early in my career. And I'm super grateful for it, but it definitely did eat a lot of hours. I will not lie to you. There were a lot of like sleepless nights in the early days trying to figure out if this was a huge mistake or if we were going about everything wrong and what if we let the company down, but it all works out in the end. Sleepless nights. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, I'm, I'm one of those who's like anxiety ridden about, um, starting new things, but 
it, you know, we, we figured it out. And I think the, the lesson in all of that, when I was facing all of this, these fears about starting something new that I'd never done before. And that I, I carry with me today is just, if somebody believes in you, that's all you need. You need one person to believe in you and you wouldn't be in the position you're in and facing all this pressure if somebody didn't believe in you. So to, to fight that imposter syndrome and that fear that you might let someone down, I would always just remind myself, somebody believed that you could do this. If they didn't, they wouldn't have given you this responsibility. Uh, and that's been really, really useful. And also just asking people questions and being honest about not knowing everything. It was, it was part of our content plan, but I think it's also just a good lesson in life. You can't expect to know everything, but especially in the world we live in today, there is somebody who has the answer and you can reach them pretty easily with an email, a, a Twitter DM, a phone call, you name it. So that was a big part of conquering that anxiety too, just reaching out to people and, and asking them questions. And what, um, speaking of asking questions, what do you think was some of like the big takeaways from, cause you always ask like big, hard questions. Like you would challenge people. Like, I mean, I'm trying to channel my Kinsey here and, <laughs> and push back on you, but you know, you surely clearly pushed back on, you know, some of the top business leaders. Um, what, what do you think are some of the takeaways from, from that? I think it's important to remember that while, you know, like Mark Cuban and Scott Galloway and Ariana Huffington, they're all really important and almost like these Herculean figures, they're still people, right? They still have human emotion. They still have to go through when they're faced with a problem, they have to figure it out just like everybody else does. Uh, and certainly they have a different set of resources and different life experiences and all of that. But I think that is what guided me the most is that at the end of the day, you're just sitting down across the table, across a, a zoom room, whatever you want to call it with a person. And, and they're a person just like you are, you have different experiences, but there are certain things that can unify people regardless of where you're coming from. Uh, and I try to, to focus in on those as much as possible. These, these human emotions that drive people and drive their decision making. And I think that helped. And also just honestly disassociating a little bit from the fact that I was, you know, like 24 sitting down across from these billionaires asking them questions and kind of being like a little bit pushy every now and then. Um, the only reason I could do that is because I just had to, when you, when you sit down, you have to leave like ego at the door, both people and try to have the conversation. Like, you know, it's just a, a friend who you're getting a beer with or getting a coffee with. Uh, I think that helped, but it, it, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I, I got, or if I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't get nervous before a lot of these interviews. Uh, but I have always been a believer that nerves can be really powerful. And if I wasn't nervous for any of these interviews, that would be a bigger problem. Hmm. Have you seen that show up uh, other times too, that kind of, you know, nerves being a, a catalyst for, you know, uh, growth or change? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have always erred on the side of over-preparation. And when I was hosting the podcast at times, that could be um, a hindrance to be completely honest, but uh, for the most part, I'm glad like you, it's always better to go in with more information than you, than you end up using. And I've approached like all of my writing and my podcast with that uh, attitude. I think the nerves often uh, were the motivator behind all of that prep and that research and the, the meticulous hours spent pouring over documents, trying to understand something before I went into an interview. And maybe if I got one question right out of like reading this entire 10 K great, that's one question. And that, that matters. And it might be the make or break for this interview that could open up a door to a really important line of questioning. That could be exactly what keeps that person listening for the next 20 minutes. So, um, I always liked to over-prepare and the nerves really drove that, but at the end of the day, it's, it, it can be, it can be hard sometimes because, you know, you spend all this time and then you've got nothing. 
<laughs> uh, and, and 10K is a financial document for, for listeners that are uh, not up to their business terms as much. Um, the, and, and so then a couple of weeks ago, there might've been s- some news. Uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, you're no longer hosting the podcast. Yes. Um, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, there might have been some news. Yeah, uh, I so I, I left Morning Brew um, about a month ago, as of the the day that we're recording this, a um, little over a month ago, and it was a, a happy breakup. Um, you know, it was a, a, an amicable one, and I feel that at the time I had had reached the potential that I was going to reach with Business Casual, and was really proud of the work that I had done, but was really really drawn by the idea of going independent and doing this on my own, and so that's what I am doing now. Um, and it's not to say that it was uh, an easy decision. It was certainly one that I spent a lot of time thinking about, uh, talked to a lot of people in this industry whom I really respect, got their perspectives, and then made the decision and had to kind of weigh at the end of the day, are are the pros of staying more um, convincing than the pros of doing this on my own? Um, And the answer was no. So I am now an an independent creator. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting building something new. Um, and I, I mentioned before that my former coworker, Josh is now my coworker again. He left morning brew in December. I left in March and now we are building another podcast together. And do you think that that's, um, kind of a function of the environment in the sense of the ability for independent creators, um, to, to make a living, um, either the tools or maybe talk to us a little bit about, I guess, like the business model or or kind of what you were seeing as to say, you know what? Sure. So there unequivocally has never been a better time to be an independent creator. And I think that I'm going to say that today and I will say it again in a year. I think it's only getting easier to be an independent creator. The tools that are being uh, put out there into the market right now are incredible. You think about ways to to monetize, ways to own your own distribution. Um, and it's not just podcasting. It's, it's newsletters, it's social media, it's whatever you're good at. There's a way to make money doing it on your own terms is my belief right now after having spent a, a couple of weeks working on this. Um, and I honestly just saw so much potential and I really loved the idea of owning what I was doing. And it's not to say that I didn't have any ownership over what I was building with business casual, but at the end of the day, I walked away with nothing to be completely honest, except for experience and great memories and, and great connections, you know, but, um, the IP was not my own. Uh, and I love the idea of owning this really, really, truly owning this, this process from start to finish that everything that is out there, good or bad is a product of me and, and my work. Um, and that was really enticing to me. And I think it's, it's been, a a huge pull for a lot of creators, especially in the journalism space. We see this happening all the time. And I think with an increasing frequency as we move forward, um, writers like most recently, the story was Charlie Wartzell from the New York Times started an independent newsletter. Um, Casey Newton started an independent newsletter. And there's money to be made here. People are willing to pay for really, really good content. And advertisers are willing to work with independent creators in a way that might not have been um, considered the norm before. It's not taboo to work with somebody who's independent right now. Uh, and that's incredible. And I think that, you know, I, I, who am I to not take advantage of all of these circumstances that are being put in front of me? Um, so I did and I am, and I will continue to. Was there something about podcasting? Like, um, you know, clearly, um, or not clearly, but, um, the show has been ad free and, um, and, and sponsorship free throughout. It's been a, you know, a, a personal project, but the ability to create and distribute is there. Um, mm-hmm. w- what about podcasting as, uh, 
kind of a pillar of maybe what you're up to uh, was most appealing to you? I think number one, it's just what I know now. I know podcasting really well and I loved doing it. I think that there is so much power in this medium specifically that is unrecognized in a lot of ways. Uh, This is an an intimate thing, right? To be in someone's ears is an intimate thing. And you create almost a one-to-one connection with people when it's just the two of you. You know, in, in theory, I'm speaking to hundreds of thousands of people, right? But in your experience, it's just us. We're just having a conversation and that's incredible. And and I think really, really powerful. And I've always been a multimedia journalist and will continue to be a multimedia journalist. I I love to write. It is my favorite activity to do, but uh, I think the the most important lesson as we build this new uh, franchise and this new new podcast first franchise um, is to recognize that each medium has its own place in this bigger content ecosystem. So when you think about podcasting, it's not really a great format for numbers heavy, right? Or, or um, jargon. Like this is where we have human conversations. When you think about a newsletter, that is somewhere where you can really play with the visual medium. You can put in graphics, you can write out numbers and people will be able to digest them. Um, and then when you think about the live video element of all of this that I've always loved to do as well, that, like everything has a place in this, this bigger content ecosystem. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and trying to tap into the different ways that each media can, or each medium in this bigger media system can, can really be a storytelling tool. And they all have really unique, uh, you know, ways of, of being that storytelling tool. So, um, it's, you know, podcast first, but never podcast only for me, I would say. I heard the word franchise. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I never quite know what to call, um, like these projects because it's not just a podcast. I don't want to just call it a podcast, but like franchise is like kind of a dorky word. I I don't know. I'm still working on it. It's it's a show. It's, it's a, it's, I don't know. It's a something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you've been experimenting with, um, clubhouse as well. Um, is that part of the franchise? Yes, definitely. So I, I consider clubhouse right now, and I don't really know how to classify it to be completely honest. As I'm approaching this new show, I'm considering it part of the social presence, um, because it is ephemeral and it's, it's community driven. So I'm considering it social, um, alongside the, the Twitters and Instagrams of the, the strategy as we move forward, but it's been really fun on clubhouse. I think that the, unique thing that Clubhouse brings to the table that these other social networks don't necessarily bring quite as effectively is this ability to tap into the community itself. Um, So I think of these Clubhouse appearances that I've been doing as almost like an idea breeding ground where I get to see what people are really into. I get to see what makes them feel passionate or or pisses them off or um, something that they disagree with me on. Like that is invaluable as I create this new show. Um, So that has been super fun. I mean, we've, I've only done like four or so, I think of these, but I've been doing them with my co-founder, Josh. Um, and we've had a lot of fun prepping for them. They're, they're, they're great fun. <laughs> and for a little bit of context, uh, they've also sometimes been a drinking game. Yes. Um, and they've also sometimes the, uh, kind of the through line is around what's cool. Yeah. Um, and so that's an interesting approach to, to spark conversation and, and to your point around kind of breeding ground for ideas. And, um, so, yeah. 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 It's been fun. And people are, are willing to participate. You know, um, it's still small, certainly, but it has been fun to see that we have people consistently coming back um, and staying for the full hour that we do the show. So that is encouraging. And the um, back to Morning Brew, it's been interesting how like you're starting to see this kind of, I don't, I don't want to say it, but um, companies encouraging employees to have 
personal brands, create content and stuff like that. A- any thoughts to that person that's working at maybe like a nine to five job and is like, I've got a great ideas or I want to start creating content, but if I was working at Morning Brew, it'd be a lot easier, but any thoughts on kind of that dynamic that we're starting to see yeah. uh, so people can start to get some of their ideas out there? Yeah, I would say number one, don't sign a non-compete. That is my biggest piece of advice. Uh, and number two, just start. Like it, it doesn't matter if you don't have distribution. It doesn't matter if you're writing or podcasting or live streaming to a group of three people, at least you're doing it right. Because someday you're going to have to convince somebody that you're good at this or that you're worth an investment or, um, that you're worth a job. And if you have the back, something to back that up, you have these examples, you have a portfolio of work that is going to be what makes or breaks that, that decision. So I would say just start, um, even if it's two hours a week, just start, even if it's, you know, you, you spend an afternoon every month working on this project, that's better than nothing. Uh, and I, I often have fallen victim to that idea of like, well, I don't have the time to do it well, so I'm not going to start doing it at all. Um, and there is room for that logic, right. With something like what I'm doing right now, building out this new show, I don't want to launch it until I'm ready to launch it, but I could have waited a lot longer to just like sit and think about what I was doing. Um, and it's a matter of just starting, like just start writing an outline. That's always what, what gets me going, right? Like I sit down with a pen and paper and I just put all of my ideas out there. Um, and that usually ends up creating something really, really incredible. And it doesn't matter again, if nobody sees it, it's good for me, it's good for my brain and it's helping me do better at what I actually do get paid to do. Um, so just my advice would be just do it. Just, just start. It's not that hard. You can do it. And if you want me to be your audience, I will happily be your audience. <laughs> Kinsey at thinkingiscool.com. You can email me. Thinking is cool. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, and so then you also said it's no better time now to be an independent creator. Can you maybe talk to us a little bit more about that as, um, as people are yeah, at that nine to five or thinking about uh, taking a, a, a leap? Yeah, I think you have to do a little bit of a risk assessment for your own life. Um, There have been a lot of times that I have kind of wanted to do this, but not really been sure about whether or not I could. Um, And at the end of the day, it's not just a conversation about do you have what it takes as uh, talent with do you have the skills? It's also is are, are you are you at the point in your life where you can take this risk? Um, And for me now, the answer was yes. Uh, I'm also 26. I don't have a kid, kids. I don't have a a mortgage. Like I, I have a lot of risk appetite right now because I can afford to. Um, and that has been a a huge motivator in this decision to be completely honest. Um, and you know, that's, it's something that everybody has to think about because while it is great. And while there is a lot of money to be made as an independent creator for every Charlie Warzel, who's making a ton of money, eventually will with, uh, with his sub stack, his paid sub stack, there are going to be plenty of people who don't make any money at all. So take your time in terms of making that decision, but, um, just do, do a little bit of risk assessment in your own personal life because everybody's situation is different. Um, and you also have to think about like, if I don't make any money doing this, will I still want to keep doing it? And I think if the answer is yes, that should be a a big motivator for you as well. Cool. And and the, also with, um, marketing the show, uh, correct me wrong, but you also had kind of like your independent newsletter. Um, and you'd also do like Instagram, um, kind of lives and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Honestly, those, those two things were mostly just because I, I missed writing and I missed doing live video. Um, and I think that there is, is room in any content ecosystem, like we've been talking about before, um, to, to 
test things and see if they work. And sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Um, with the, the newsletter that I did with business casual, it was a little bit more focused, especially on, um, what the, the topic, whatever we were talking about that week, whatever it was. Um, and I just wanted to write again. And that seemed like a really logical next step. It also, you know, we could put an ad in it. We could make a little more money. Like everybody was down for that. Um, since I left morning brew, I have continued to write. I just started a, a random sub stack, um, and have like now a couple thousand people tuning in when I write and I, I, write with no promised frequency. I think I've sent like three newsletters and they're pretty sporadic. Um, but it's been really, really fun to take the time to just get your thoughts out. Uh, and I'm obviously incredibly lucky that I had an audience already when I started this newsletter of people who were willing to be part of this community with me uh, and offer their feedback. But I will say, since I've been writing about the things that like I think are interesting instead of just the topics of the podcast of the week, it's been really, really cool to see how much more engagement I get from the community itself. I think people can tell when there's passion behind these words and when there is like genuine interest and thought and, and conversation happening, they're willing to participate themselves. So that's been really, really fun. Um, have never responded to so many emails in my life, but worth it. Every email is worth it. Responding to mine. So I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> of course. I, that's my thing. I, I will always try to respond to everybody. Um, and I've always felt really strongly about that as a, a content creator. I think that you know, I, I recognize, and I'm, I know in my bones that I would be nothing without the people out there to listen to the podcast or read the newsletter. And if I have moved you to respond, obviously that's a huge win. And I, I owe it back to these people who um, are reaching out after reading. It's, it's a lot to ask somebody to subscribe. It's even more to ask them to read the whole piece. And it's crazy to think about asking somebody to hit respond and, and offer thoughtful feedback. So I always try to express my gratitude for all of that by responding to everyone for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine it's been kind of tough too, as you're transitioning and people are asking you questions like myself and you're like, um, stay tuned. Yeah. It's, it's, I honestly, I've had a lot of fun doing it. I think part of it is because it, I get to like have this little secret about what I'm doing. Um, and like, I know when the world will know, but the world doesn't know when they'll know. And it's, I've been having a lot of fun with it to be completely honest. It's, it's fun to like drop little hints here and there, like little breadcrumbs for people to figure out what it is. Um, I'm no Taylor Swift, but I have had some fun and, um, but you'll know soon it's, it's, we're not far. Cool. Um, well, anything else that you think that we missed for people that are building out their portfolio of work, people that are independent creators, people that are passionate about podcasting, things yeah. that are maybe cool? <laughs> Lots of things. I Thinking is cool. Um, I think that, you know, it's to me. I have always kind of struggled with this, this imposter syndrome that I was talking about before. Um, but after a lot of really great conversations with really incredible friends and, and coworkers and family members, and honestly, strangers in the inbox, I have come to know that everybody can do something incredibly well, right? You, everybody has something that makes them special and everybody has um, something that sets them apart from the rest of the world. If, if you didn't, we would all be exactly the same, right? So find it. If you can, you're lucky. And if you can make a living off of it, you're incredibly lucky. So I recognize how incredibly lucky I am. Um, and I would just encourage people to figure out what their thing is because maybe it is something that could change your life. Uh, and it's, it's been fun for me. And I think it would probably be fun for everybody else out there too. Awesome. Anything else before you let listeners know where to subscribe and, and learn more and yeah, that, I mean, that's it. If you want to uh, subscribe to the newsletter that I've been writing um, pre-launch of this new show, you go to www.kinsey.fm. 
um, or just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kinsey Grant, Instagram at Kinsey R. Grant. Um, and then the newsletter itself is just called Kinsey's Newsletter on Substack. So <laughs> it, it should be pretty easy to find. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much always online or somewhere. So um, yeah. And if you guys have you know, anybody, like I said, I respond as best I can. So reach out to me. I would love to hear from everybody. Slide into the DMs. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kinsey. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.